are listening to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring you the best tactics, strategies, and actionable insights for change through our powerful interviews with change management practitioners and leaders. And now here's your host, Teresa Moulton. Hi, my name is Teresa Moulton. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Change Management Review, and I've got expert Liz Kislik here uh, with me, and we're going to have an interesting conversation about a variety of management topics. Let me share a little bit about Liz with you. Uh, Liz Kislik is a management consultant and executive coach and a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes. Her TEDx, Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It, has received more than 450,000 views. She specializes in developing high-performing leaders and workforces and for 30 years has helped family-run businesses, national nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies like American Express, Girl Scouts, Staples, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and Highlights for Children solve their thorniest problems. Liz's work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal's Morning Download and the Washington Post Business Insider and Bloomberg Business Week. Her articles have been included in Harvard Business Press Books, Guide to Motivating People, Dealing with Difficult People, and Guide to Power and Impact, as well as in Entrepreneur, the European Financial Review, and and The Forward. She is a member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches Initiative, which brings together the world's top coaches and thinkers, has taught at Hofstra University and New York University, and is a frequent podcast guest. She received her BA from Yale University and earned an MBA in management from NYU. So you can see how lucky we are to have her on our podcast. Welcome, Liz. Teresa, thanks so much. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, it's it's um, it's wonderful to have you. We've had such interesting conversations preparing for this uh, podcast, and um, I'm really excited to share some of them with with other people because they'll learn a lot. I think. Lead on. Okay, so um, one of the things that uh, I've found as a change management professional is that when we're working with sponsors or even leaders that um, are a little bit further down in the uh, organization, we have a challenge on how to manage conflict with them. You know, we work hard to build that um, rapport and build that trust. And then when there's some really major conflict, how do we actually have those conversations and kind of turn it around so that we don't have major issues uh, coming out of the conflict. Could you say a little bit about that? So it's unreasonable to think that everybody would agree all the time mm-hmm. or want the same things. Uh, even when you're in the same organization and theoretically have the same goals mm-hmm. because you support the organizational goals. And even if you value some of the same things, say you have a very high value for care for customers, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, you can have different beliefs about what's most important 
or even something that might seem kind of trivial, like the sequence in which things should happen. Mm-hmm. Or it's very reasonable, understandable, that two leaders, same level, different level, might have different views about how to motivate the people in the organization who are lower than they are. Mm or different ways of going about directing, managing, etc. If those things are not brought to the surface and cleared in some way, where you come to either a natural agreement, a negotiated agreement, if that disagreement remains, it can fester. Yes, and you know, one of the things I'm wondering is, um who in the organization really pays attention to that that is such a smart question we all pay attention to our own festering <laughs> right <laughs> is what i would say you know we we remember our resentments mm-hmm. um some people sort of count them over how many they have and against whom um But is anybody else on the lookout for that? Not so much, unless there are individuals, and you would hope they're pretty senior, who think of themselves as what you might call watch guards for the culture, Mm -hmm. for the idea that, oh, there's a disturbance in the force. Mm -hmm. An astute, sensitive person might just feel in a meeting that there's something going on under the surface. This individual is too clipped. That one is rattling on too much. Those are their nervous habits. Something is going on. So somebody might notice, but usually we tuck that stuff away. Even people who notice often don't say. So what happens when a, um, a, a change management professional bumps into a situation like this, um, what can they do about it? So one of the things I think of um, Amy Edmondson's psychological safety, Mm -hmm. for example, any kind of informing premise of how to work with people, even just general facilitation techniques, Mm -hmm gives you an opportunity to dig into what you're perceiving Mm -hmm. to check are we all on the same page here are there things we need to say to be able to move forward together one of the things that's really important is even just asking individuals in a meeting for example how they will talk about what happened in the meeting to Mm. their own teams when they go back. What will you report out? These are different ways of getting people to self-identify that they are holding something or that something's not sitting right with them. Yeah, that's, that's a very good technique. Um, I've, I've often had senior teams, uh, talk about it as what are we going to what are we going to communicate out of this meeting everyone knows we're meeting what are we going to communicate out of this meeting and when people go around the table 
there's so many different messages about what they're going <laughs> to communicate out of this meeting. It could send, you know, the organization into a whirlwind. So um, that's, I think that's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's really right, that people go off in different directions. And sometimes it's about the content itself. And sometimes it's about how much to share. Like we all, right. all know, we all know people who operate on what they call a need to know basis, right? Um, which usually is a way of not sharing. Right. Right. And so, you know, that kind of brings me to one of your articles that I absolutely loved uh, that's on your website called uh, Four Mistakes to Avoid When you, sh you Have to Deliver Bad News. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, you know, because uh, I think I think that that is a common a common occurrence for a change management professional. Okay, you may have to prompt me on the four. Okay, um, where I'm going to start, though. Generally, someone who is in the position of delivering bad news has power. Mm -hmm. That's why they are able to inflict the bad news. Right. And one of the yuckiest mistakes, if I can call it that, is delivering the news with the overlay, the message that the people who are receiving the bad news should feel terrible for you because mm -hmm. you're the one who has to do this uncomfortable thing of delivering it. And although it is absolutely legitimate to say you're uncomfortable about it or you're unhappy or you wish it weren't so or how sorry you feel, once you've acknowledged that, it is nobody's job to feel bad for you if you're the one in the position to say, oh, I'm sorry, you people are losing budget or you are losing authority or you are losing your job or any of those things that are bad news. Um, it is in some ways a sacred organizational responsibility mm -hmm. and power has its costs. You have to be willing to be in uncomfortable circumstances. So looking for pity from the people whose lives you are disrupting, it's not a good look. No, and it's very self-serving and, and weak. Yes. And weak. Yes. Yes. In a way, it's manipulative too, Teresa, because it's, true. it's like I'm putting on you bad feeling for me that suppresses your ability or willingness to express how bad you feel for yourself. Right. It is actually a suppressive tactic, whether the individual recognizes that or not. You're, yeah, you're right. Exactly. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's true. You're taking up their space. Yeah. How selfish. Um, cowardly. Yeah. Well, even more than so, it's unintentional. Almost it is. All the, almost all the time. It's right. unintentional. Yeah. They. Yeah. Exactly. I. I totally agree with that. Um. And then, so, go ahead. Should I go on a little to an, yes. another one? Okay. Yeah. So another one that is really, really unfortunately common, um, a difficult decision 
is made in a boardroom in a conference room with the C-suite that uh, we're going to have to freeze salaries right now. Mm -hmm. The recession may not have been declared, but we're not generating the revenue we expected, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to lay anybody off, but we have to freeze pay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've got half a dozen people in there and to do all the planning, it's the half a dozen people and whoever the minions are mm -hmm. who have to do processing, et cetera. It's hard to keep secrets secret. Right. It's very hard. But if you let bad news dribble out, mm -hmm. there can be cascading impacts that are much more negative than if you actually plan how you're going to release the information and stage it properly. Because then people are coming with questions. Mm -hmm. And then either you have to ignore them and avoid them. Mm -hmm. That's a bad leadership look. Right. Or you might be someone who is in the position of having to lie to them yes. because your peer spilled some news somewhere that they shouldn't have that ruins your credibility even in the future even if it wasn't your decision right and you know it's very similar to the position that i find managers in hiring managers in in a big change um because they're like sandwiched in they have to keep the authenticity and honor trust with their people but they're sandwiched in you know and uh, above them they're saying you can't talk about it and there's no there's no like middle ground for them and they they feel very um they feel very much forced against their value system for yes. a long time yes this speaks to, i mean often it is a challenge to hold information that is bad information but this speaks to the issue of being decisive and being timely. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's best to actually not formally come to decision until you are close to the point where you can release. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are different ways to look at it. I mean, if it's one person's decision and that person decides and then they take action whenever they take action, right. it's easier to manage it's on you, you know, mm -hmm. but when you have these group processes, it's very hard if there's lag time, even if no one spills the news in language, there can be leakage in behavior because right. most of us are not good liars. So then we act squirrely in some way. Right. As if, you know, not straightforward about even something else, some small thing. And then people who are attuned will know that something's up. So in general, this is part of why, whether it's change management or just in the day to day, you know, leaders who are indecisive mm -hmm. often do more damage than people who are decisive mm -hmm. because you see them walking around carrying some burden and laboring over it. And everybody's waiting. How many shoes are there to fall? Mm -hmm. um, or 
leaders who don't want to make someone feel bad don't give them the feedback they need to do better. Right. And instead, the leader walks around not liking them. Right. Well, that person feels it, even if they don't know exactly what it is they're feeling. Right. I think we underestimate people's intuitive senses a lot. Um, You know, that's why with all the AI stuff, uh, the experts are saying people are going to know when they're talking to a human. (laughs) It, It is really interesting. We do underestimate it. And we also forget, leaders forget how closely they are watched. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And another uh, bad way to give bad news or another mistake in giving bad news is when an uncomfortable leader, this often happens in middle or junior levels Mm -hmm. of management, delivers the bad news and then says in effect, what they think the other party has to say. So yes. it's as if they are talking to themselves, they're having both parts of the conversation. It's a different way of suppressing the recipient's ability to actually respond to the news. It's like sucking all the air out of the room. Okay. Okay. Could you give an example of that, Liz? Sure. Um I have to tell you that I'm changing your schedule because the needs of the business have changed. And I know, because we've been working together for a while, that this is not helpful for your life. You have other commitments and it's going to be a problem for you. So instead of saying, look, Teresa, I'm really sorry to tell you that given what's shifted in the environment, your new schedule is going to be thus and so. It's going to start in two weeks, so you have time to get ready. Please tell me what you're gonna need from us to help support you to do this or anything else we should know to make the transition go as smoothly as it can, even though I know it may not be easy for you. Like I could say that all in one paragraph. Wow. And then shut up. And let you say whatever. And I could say, I know you may have other thoughts tomorrow, so please think about it. And then we'll meet again or you'll email me, whatever. I did my job. You get to have your response. I have said to you, I expect you to come back and tell me stuff. We will work on it as two mature people. Otherwise, I might say, oh, Teresa, I know this is going to be so difficult because your dog needs this and your grandmother needs that and your nephew needs the other thing. I'm really sorry. I hope you can make it all right with them. I know it's going to be such a hardship. I'm doing your worrying for you without actually either laying out all the factual parameters so you even know what on earth is happening. Right. That's that's a big problem. Or I think we've had a conversation, but we've actually had a monologue in which I was the only one who was allowed to speak. Right. Because you're the one with the power. Exactly. Exactly. And so then it's a question of, well, can you insert yourself somewhere? Which really isn't fair to you. 
Right. As the person with power, I need to make room for you purposefully. Right. Thank you. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. So uh, one question I had was kind of the uh, inverse of that, which is, um, are there any major tips for communicating good news that we should be aware of? Okay. Because I've seen some problems with that, too. Isn't it funny? Yes. How that can make problems also. All right. Let's think about that. So I should write a blog about that. You should. Um, Be great. It's so funny. Even I didn't think about that as what a good topic that is. So, all right, here are some of the things that can go wrong with good news. Again, if it is not coordinated well, if it leaks, different people will go off in different directions. The leadership will not have had the impact it wanted, and people may actually make mistakes in implementation if they hear it at different times and everybody's not together. So you can have this kind of structural problem if it slow rolls through. Right. Um, Any major announcements really need serious coordination, and that's among the people who will be disseminating the message. It's also in terms of what the channels are, mm-hmm. what the frequency is, the tone. There's a lot of stuff going on when there's a big message. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. If it is not communicated clearly, just like we had this example of, if I give it to you, all the concrete things you need to know in a tidy package, maybe backed up in writing, then you can actually think of it in full and respond. Mm-hmm. But if somebody just comes out with a banner, good news, um, there's going to be more vacation. Then people don't know, is that right away? Is that once? Can I count on it? How do I schedule it? Those people who jump the gun or are more assertive, may actually go plan something that Mm. doesn't doesn't take into account the fact that there is going to be more vacation for all. Mm -hmm. There are certain blackout dates that you have to know about. And the decisions about who can go when will be happening at your departmental level. There's no major fiat. So that actually means there's going to be a negotiation. Right. So people could go off in completely wrong directions right? for something that should be good. And then they feel resentful because it didn't work the way they hoped. Yes. And the leadership feels resentful because people aren't grateful. Right. That's a big one. Yes. Huge. Huge. The unanticipated difficulty of announcing badly and then not getting the gratitude you expected leaders really get wounded by that they do they really do and then it starts to fester within themselves and it carries over for a while yes sometimes it never goes away right yeah they start to sour yeah the other thing is it's important to explain why the good news is happening what's the rationale why is it happening now Otherwise, you can get weird things 
Because you know, if people don't know the reason, they will make one up. Our brains need to do this. We have to fill in the empty space. So if we don't learn about it externally, we will create it even if it's wrong. Oh, you know what's so funny about that? We're a little like AI ourselves. We will fill in the gap with a bad, right, <laughs> a right. bad construct. Um, so for ex- take it, take the vacation one. One person might say, oh, that's because our engagement scores were bad. Mm-hmm. So they're throwing vacation at us. It's a bone. It's not real. Someone else may say, well, it shouldn't have been three days more vacation because I and my team did these great things. We should have had even more. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of things can go that can go wrong because everybody's different. Yes. And, you know, as you were speaking, it came to me that a lot of us as change management professionals are brought in to help um, communicate changes that may remove um, tasks from someone's role or may, you know, shift where people are working. But I'm not sure how many change management people are involved in communicating good news. So that's probably right. Sometimes there's good news for an individual in the midst of what feels like bad news to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that can actually be, oddly, a terrible thing for the person who lucks out. Mm -hmm. Why are you so happy? Right. Right? Don't you realize your colleagues are distressed and decimated and all these terrible things? Right. Don't you care about us? Um, Helping people see where what happens to them fits into the larger context should be part of the responsibility for messaging. Yes. And then that kind of brings up survivor syndrome. You know, maybe they don't feel um happy they're maybe they're relieved but they don't know how to express you know feeling that relief and feel guilty yes and the guilt thing is a problem <laughs> because when they feel guilty depending on how they are as a human being mm-hmm. sometimes they'll try to hide the thing that was good for them mhm And as soon as you're not sort of generally on the level about stuff, everybody knows something's not on the level. That's right. So all of a sudden you've colored your own image in some way. There's some negative halo that can be attached to that. Or because they feel guilty, they may go out of their way to placate or do something nice for somebody else that may or may not be the best business decision. Right. Good point. Really good point. So we're um, about out of time, Liz. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what would your major message be to our listeners based on this conversation? It would be that it takes more time and more planning Mm -hmm. than is our natural instinct to convey messages in ways that do the least unnecessary damage. Um, Putting the time in to actually think about how will people respond to this? 
Mm-hmm. How do I want them to respond? Mm-hmm. What are the logistics and sort of operational factors that I need to keep in mind to make this go as smoothly as possible? More investment upfront means less cleanup later. Oh, I love that. That's a good way to say that. Very nice. Very good. And thank you so much. How can people get a hold of you? Um, my website, of course, which is lizkislik.com, L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K. And there they can find years of written material. And there's a free ebook there about the interpersonal aspects of conflict at work. Um, and of course, on LinkedIn, Teresa, thank you. Yes, and I have to encourage everyone to go to Liz's website because um, I was there three or four times before this um, this particular interview, and I got stuck, quote unquote, uh, reading for like twenty in twenty minute segments, and it's really really good. So I thank I, you. You're That's welcome. very high praise. I I really appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge with us. And um, hopefully we can have you back on another time later. Thanks so much. Take care, Liz. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.